Hey Anna, welcome to the playroom. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. It's such a pleasure having you here. You know, it's it's gonna be great. And I'm looking forward to like people really diving deep into their mindset and focus on themselves and see how best they can be themselves when they're around people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm I'm just thinking in my head what would be the way to start? And the best way I'm thinking is by letting people know more about you, by you introducing yourself and letting us okay. know about who you are, what you do. And then we can jump right in so that we can really get to the meat of the discussion. All right. So yeah. uh, my name, of course, is Anna Charles Kennedy. But I, um, my friends' family sometimes call me Charlie. Uh, but most people just call me Anna. It's easier. Um, and really, it's it's kind of wild. I'm in addition from my background, so a mental health professional, into more of like the coaching space. Uh, I really enjoyed coaching people versus um, clinical mental health. Mental clinical mental health is is a it's a deeper dive usually into someone's like past uh, behaviors that have them maybe stuck right now. And coaching I love because it's usually someone who's forward focused, like they they're here and they want to get there to another place. And so it's usually forward focused, which I love because then I get to be like the biggest, their biggest cheerleader. So I love being a cheerleader to someone's ideas or life journeys moving forward. Um, so I do a love and relationship coaching. Uh, I'm also, I like to call, I'm, I'm redefining age. So I am 47, but I feel like 47 is the new 27. Actually, it's so much better, it's so much better than, than that. But uh, so I, I kind of consider myself redefining age and a midlife influencer. I really hate the connotations that midlife brings because middle life, midlife, because people kind of are afraid of it. But I'm totally embracing my age. Like I said, I'm 47, so I'm closer to 50. And I'm loving exactly where I am right now. I have so much self-love for myself. I'm in a great place. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm full of hope. Um, so yeah, I got a lot of things going. I have my own podcast starting up soon. I'm writing a book right now. I've been contacted by casting directors. I'm working on an app. So there's so much in the works and I'm so excited. So this is that's so a little exciting. bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so exciting. I'm really looking forward to this because when you mentioned mental health, that's a big topic and some people don't know how to process it themselves. So if someone's listening to this and they're wondering, how can I start processing and making sure that I'm sane and not doing insane things for insanity reasons? How can they process that? Well, I mean, honestly, the best thing that you can do is is find a therapist or someone that a third party that can work with you that doesn't have a vested interest in your life or the people that are in your life. It's really difficult sometimes if you if you suffer from depression, anxiety, um, bipolar. Um, there's many different um, disorders out there, or you could just be like, I just need a little bit of help. I find it so helpful when you seek professional help. A lot of people think that there's shame involved in that, or you know, they think, oh, I can do it myself. I, I can solve this problem myself. This mindset myself. And honestly speaking, and of course I'm a little biased because I come from that background. 
But when you have a third party, when you have somebody who doesn't know you in your personal life, they can come from what you're experiencing from a different point of view. Plus, they have the credentials to go along with it. So that's my first um, answer would be to seek professional help. I actually have been in therapy since I was 22, and it's because of the wonderful therapist in my life that made me go back to school to want to become one myself. I actually already have two degrees um, in human services and addiction prevention and treatment. I'm a specialist in addiction, and I actually got into addiction counseling because I figured out I had an addiction, but to a person. So you, you, you can be addicted not just to a substance, you know, um, drugs, alcohol, gambling, you can actually be addicted to a person. And so when that relationship ends with a person, you can have the same withdrawal symptoms that you do from drugs or alcohol. And that's kind of what happened to me. And I wanted to know why was this happening and how could I be better in the future? So I became my own coach and my own advocate and kind of went back to school for that. So, um, yeah. That's deep, very deep (laughs) (laughs) because that's typically people in relationships. They don't know how to deal with a breakup. They don't know how to deal with a disconnect. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to deal with not being accepted. Sometimes they're like, oh, you're not accepting me because I'm not your type. But it's really the truth because I don't want to offend you and be in a relationship that's toxic. So it, it kind of gets a little bit messy or sticky when mm-hmm. someone doesn't know mm-hmm. how to get out of that mindset without them thinking about the future and not just holding on to what they already know. Right. Right. And see, change is really hard, though. That That's what where a lot of us get stuck. And that's why I love coaching so much is um, there is something called stages of change. There's some people who have no idea that they have a problem. There's some people who know they have a problem, but they're not ready to change, that they're not ready to stop the addiction they have. They're not ready to get out of the toxic relationship. And then you have people who are ready to change. And that's usually when I get people, I work with people who are in that, where they recognize it, they're ready to do the work. And so in in any case, if there's any change in your life, you have to be willing and able to do the work and you cannot change another person. So I cannot change you. I can only change myself and I can change how I relate and respond to other people. So it's really important that people get to a place where they are ready to do the work to get out of whatever situation that's holding them back in their life. Yeah, I believe so too. And once you start letting go and being more cautious and careful on how you want to present yourself to the next person, you start to really understand the value, you know, of this is where I want to be. This is where I need to go. And Eventually, you see that vision and your mind is like, oh, I would be there in the next two years, but it will take me six months to structure how that next one and a half years is going to play out. So do people think about that in the coaching process when it comes to them knowing what they need to do next? Or do you have to cheer them on because they are so self-dependent? Or well, it just it yeah. really depends on where that person is. Um some people will come in and they know exactly they, where they want to go. Like I also do a lot of um, business coaching. So I've owned and operated five businesses since I was 20 years old. So I can take an idea, like you could come to me with an idea and then I could tell you how you can turn that into a business. So yeah. I kind of think of that also when people come to me in coaching, they might be here and they want to get here where it's um, a business, whether it's a relationship 
And it really depends on where they are in that process. Some people have a really good idea. Some people are just like, I know I want to do better. And then we'll do a deep dive into what does that mean to them? So it really honestly depends on where a person is in that process and how I'm going to help them get to the next step. But, mm. um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's my favorite thing is when I get somebody who's in front of me and I see the light in their eyes. I see that twinkle in their eyes and I know that they are excited about like they are there. They just, they just need a little bit of a cheerleader. They need a little bit of a push in a loving, kind way. Uh, in the in the clinical mental health world, we have what's called attending behavior, and that means you let a client know that you hear them and you see them, and what they say is important. And so I do the same thing in coaching. Because a lot of times people come to me because they don't have anybody to talk to. They have an idea, they have a thought, they're in a certain place, and they come to me because it's sometimes too hard to go to your friends and family because they might be part of the block. They might be part of why you can't move forward. There might be a part of it. So um, I get really excited when I have someone who's ready to move forward. They kind of got an idea. They just need a little bit of help. And I love seeing that look on their face, the light bulb moment. You know, Oprah always talks about light bulb moment. And that is the best feeling in the world is when you see that light bulb moment and somebody else reflected back at you. Ooh, yeah. Highly agree with that. Because it's it's now making a lot of sense because when somebody realizes those things, you get to realize that the fact that this person didn't have anyone to talk to is why they went into depression, is why they went mm -hmm. into anxiety, into suicidal thoughts, because no one is talking to you. Like we are we're human beings we need to relate with each other we need to love each other so if you can't even love me because you can't talk to me then i can't do anything about what i can reciprocate so it, it starts mm -hmm. to become very deep on that matter so i'm glad that you pointed out that it's a it's a matter of conversation and not just community it, it's a whole lot of like engaged audiences and actually putting people together to think alike so that there is more so a cohesive pattern if that makes sense yeah, and what I, I would like to stress is that human connection is a biological imperative. We cannot live without human connection. So what we are seeing now, it's already, we already have a mental health crisis because of the pandemic. Yes, the world's opened up. Yes, we can you know go and do things we couldn't do before and see people that we weren't able to see before. There's a lot of people who actually are having trouble re-entering you know, the world. Um, either A, because they were introvert anyway and they actually loved the pandemic, it worked really well for them, mm. and now they've actually got to go back out in real life. And you have some people who were extroverts who experienced depression and or anxiety that they've never felt in their life, and they didn't know why, right? They're just like, all of a sudden, I mean, it makes sense, you're alone, you haven't been around your family, but a lot of people didn't really So our nervous system is always... Um, like surveying the territory in front of us. We are always looking for protection or connection. So when you are out in the world, this is subconscious. You don't even really know that you're doing it. Um, it's running in the background. When you meet somebody and you're, or you're in a situation, so people, places, and experiences, you will be scanning for protection or connection. Am I safe in this space? Am I safe with this person? Or... Uh, do I need to seek protection? 
So that's why I teach my clients, and I highly, highly recommend that people get in touch with their gut, which is our second brain,、um, and your body will tell you. And a lot of times we miss the cues. We miss cues of what our body's telling us, our gut is telling us about people, places, or experiences. So, if you think about how we have automatic responses to stress and anxiety and fear, we do the fight, flight, or freeze. So we are automatically doing that in our everyday life. We are either fight, flight, or freeze because our nervous system is scanning for protection or connection. So I teach my clients to get in touch, and some people are like, "Oh my God, that's so woo-woo. That's out there. That's you know, I'm not spiritual. It has nothing to do with spiritual or religious. It's actually a theory. It's called polyvagal theory, and it's scientifically proven that that's what our bodies do. So I'm really into teaching people to read their body, how do they feel, and then learn how their body reacts to that stress and anxiety. So I'm seeing a lot of clients who are. Have fear or anxiety or stress from the pandemic, so I'm helping them kind of coach them through that as well. That's amazing. I'm thinking in terms of also how they relate with each other because, like you said, introverts, extroverts, ambiverts—they are all different types, and we need some sort of connection to make ourselves comfortable, like you said. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. If those relationships are not nurtured enough to be as expressive, what do they need to do to make sure that they are in those right spaces? I mean, you know, here's the thing: I, I'm in a different place in my life. Again, I am midlife; I am almost fifty, and what I have found is communicating. <laughs> you have to communicate with those. Around you, your friends, your families, your loved ones, and what I find that people get most stuck on is the uncomfortable or difficult conversations they need to have with the people that they love in their life. And so, you know, I'm a very open and honest person in my in real life anyway, and I really try to teach my clients the same thing. And it's hard; like, change is hard. Having uncomfortable conversations is hard. Well, the end result is if you don't have those conversations, if you don't advocate for yourself, for your mental health, your emotional health, that's when you get stuck. That's when the depression can start. That's when the anxiety can start. So I, in all areas of my life, it's communication. You've got to ask for what you need, ask what you want, ask for help.、Uh, we have in 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 our society, you know, at least in the United States. Mental health has not been something that you could talk about. It wasn't very respected or accepted for you to say,、um, "I'm not okay right now." And if the one thing I have seen and from the pandemic is everybody's saying it's okay to not be okay. We are all not perfect. We we all have thoughts sometimes. We all I don't think there's a human on earth who hasn't had fear, anxiety, depression at some point. That's just part of the human condition. So. If we all just give ourselves a little bit more love and compassion and honesty and open communication, I think the world would be, you know, especially in our our love relationships with our friends, family, would be a whole lot better. I think so too. It changes how 
we actually represent ourselves because how somebody actually reacts to you is based on how you put yourself out there. Sometimes you might be so fearful that you can't even speak and that would have been the best time to say something, but you didn't. The person left, you know, you're probably at an event, you know, and so those opportunities come once in a while and people don't really understand that even your energy attracts people around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do, if, if, if you want to get, you know, I call it woo-woo, but if you really want to get into it, we all have a certain, we all are energy. I mean, that we are that scientifically, you know, proven too. We all are an energy body. Um, and so I really do believe that you kind of will attract the same people on the same level that you, your energy is. So, yeah. you know, like attracts like, and so I really try to be around people that have the same energy and mindset as myself, which is being happy, being healthy, being full of hope. Um, I really love being around other entrepreneurs because I'm one and we're a different breed altogether. And so when you get someone else who's like high energy, like I am and, and an entrepreneur, like, you know, like that's my favorite is just to be around people of, of like energy for sure. Yeah. You know what I've even thinking for you because you went through that clinical mental health process and now you're into coaching. You're like mm-hmm. one step further away from someone because you pretty much reverse the gear and now you're going forward because you have that intellect that a lot of people don't process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that everything that happens to us, I really do feel like it happens for a reason and it's to teach us something. And I think people come on our life for a reason for a season or for a lifetime. And if you stop and you think about these experiences you have with people or experiences in general, and I always think, oh, what was that? What, what, who was, what was I supposed to learn from that person? And sometimes, you know, they're in your life, you know, for the entirety, like your family. And then some people just are there for, for a certain reason. Some are there for a season of your life. But I try to learn from and use what I've learned to... Um, set me up for success instead of picking apart what was wrong of course we can do that and and I believe in I don't want to be I don't want to be taught the same hard lesson twice you know but I'm not going to sit there and dwell on you know the bad things that happened I'm going to take from that uh, what I can learn from it and move forward and that's what I've done my whole adult life and that's again what led me to Uh, get my college degree it took me 27 years to get those degrees because I was married very young I had children very young and I had to put school on the back burner and I was raising babies and I was running businesses and trying to keep a marriage together and that kind of fell by the wayside so um, I was married for 23 years I've been divorced now almost four and it was really important that my boys I have two older um humans I've raised two grown humans it's really important for me for them to see that um, it's you're never too old to have a dream come true you can always fulfill you know a dream that you've had and also that you can be down but you don't have to be out and you can you can rise above it so these last four years for me have been all about rising up from the ashes kind of like a phoenix as they say um, and uh, when I was very when I was it, it took it took two years for me to even get the courage to ask for a separation. It took me 18 months in a separation to get the courage to ask for a divorce. 
Um, and again, I did that with the help of a licensed therapist because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And, you know, one, one of the highlights of, of that process was, I think it was back in like 2016 and I was coming into her office with the same repetitive story. You know, like I'm unhappy, I don't know what to do. Um, I said it felt like death from paper cuts, you know, like a, a little death every day. I felt like my soul was just dying. And she said, you realize you're in a birdcage, right? And I was like, huh? And she said, you're in a birdcage with the door open. You can fly out at any time. You think your wings are clipped, but they're not. You just don't want to deal with the consequences of your actions right now. The pain of staying is less than leaving. And when you're ready to leave, that's going to switch. And the pain of staying is more, it hurts more. And so that's what got the process of thinking, I need to get out of this cage, let my baby wings start to grow. And see, now I have giant, huge unicorn wings. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so perfect because it's also perfect timing because in like, you know, when I'm thinking about when you mentioned relationships, time, because this is what we all go through, like the circle of life when it comes to, you know, taking care of your loved ones and nurturing them and spending time, sacrificing a lot of time, you know, to make sure that they are who they are and they're better than you so that you can live a good life, you know, with your family. Now, when you think about that part of the life that you had with all that going on and then you know how everybody in their you know their 20s they're like oh yeah we're gonna party we're gonna do this did you miss out on any of those excitement or do you think that it was like a hybrid effect for you <laughs> oh no 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 i missed out and wow. to be quite honest i am i have been reliving my early 20s you know in the last like four years and loving every minute of it um you know i live my life to the fullest at this point i'm I'm wiser, I'm stronger, I'm happier than I've ever been. And so, um, yeah, I think I, I really got lost in doing what I thought was right for my children and for you know my husband at the time and running businesses. And I really just lost who I really was to the daily grind, if you will. And, you know, my children started getting a little bit older and I realized I needed a little bit more. And the whole reason why my marriage dissolved was because we, we really, and you hear it all the time, but we grew apart. And I'm someone who is a lifelong learner, and he is not. You know, he is perfectly fine to stay exactly where he is. His motto is like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it didn't matter how I would say, okay, you know, I need help with this, or would you be willing to do that? Um, he, he was not a great communicator. And I am a really great communicator. So eventually it just, we kind of um, grew apart. And um, so that's why I always talk about like to you and to the audience, why communication is so important. We did not have that communication. We did not have those difficult conversations. We kept everything kind of on the surface, surface. And I really tried to make everyone else's life so perfect. Then they would have time to love me. If I make my exes, you know, my husband at the time, if I make his life perfect, then he's going to have time to give me love and attention. Yeah. And that just, it never materialized. So, yes, 20s, I think, like my older son is doing exactly what I, in hindsight, wish, which is he's engaged, he's 26, but they 
known each other since they were 20. They, they're living together now, they're engaged now, but they are like loving their life together without babies and marriage. They're just loving each other and living in their 20s and doing what 20 year olds, you know, should do. Um, so yeah, now at 47, <laughs> now I'm kind of, you know, people want to call it like a midlife crisis. I call it a midlife comeback. Mm. Like, like LL Cool J says, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. So, <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for, you know, five, six years now and lo- loving it, loving who I am now and getting to know who I am now, and who I always was. Maybe I lost her a little bit, but yeah. That's amazing. It's perfect because now it's it's going to start changing a lot and things are going to start making better nuances and, you know, you can start seeing life in a different way and you've actually seen it full circle. Some people have not gone through that before. So you've pretty much gone, come back, like, guess who's back? Is <laughs> bringing sexy back. So yeah. it, it's really good and it's just perfect timing because now, you know, as you're, if you're listening to this now, you are now tuning in to the podcast premium and now you have listened to all this amazing discussions and, and now you want to really understand how this can play out. <laughs> you're in the right place today and, and Charlie is here today. So it's, it's going to be great and I'm so excited. And just before we even get in, because I want to touch on those points, right? When you mentioned those things, now that we're in, so feel free. We're in explicit now. You can feel free to express <laughs> yourself. And you can bring the girls out now in that hindsight where you now ask and say, huh, hmm, okay. Is it that there was not, because people say this, like there was not, you know, when people talk about sex and the connections, it could either be there passionately or it could just be there just for the sake of it. So right. in relationships, how has that played out for you in this past four years and also prior based on yeah. that experience. Yeah. So one of the other things I am is a sex positive advocate. And what Ooh. that means is I really advocate uh, for my own pleasure, but I also advocate for other people exploring and trying to figure out their own pleasure. What do they like? What do they not like? And being once again, if you were listening earlier, communication, I can't tell you how many people I have talked to, clients, who they have wishes, they have desires, they have fetishes, they have things they want to do and try, terrified. They are terrified to mention it to their partner because they think they're going to be judged. They think the person's going to, you know, maybe not love them or like them anymore or think that they're strange. And, you know, it turns out usually that when they get the courage to talk to the other person, their partner, their partner's either like, Oh, well, you guess what? Me too. I have some things I want to talk with you. So I always advocate, again, for every part of my life is communication. And, you know, sex conversations can be awkward sometimes. Um, But, you know, I've gotten really good at having them because I feel like cutting to the chase in a relationship in terms of what you like, what you don't like, I think it's really important. And to your point, your question is, I didn't, we did not have those conversations in my marriage. So I, you know, it was mediocre at best for 23 years. So you can imagine going from, you know, like mediocre to kind of wide open. Um, (laughs) It's been, you know, it's been a really fun time. Uh, Still learning. I'm always open to learning. But again, it's all about communication. And I think the younger generation too, your 20s, your 30s, 
you've grown up with uh, porn can be like a might have been a huge part of your life and as we know that's not really real life and um, watching too much of it can cause you know problems and people do end up having addictions to that um, but I feel like more and more it's harder for the younger generations to get into these conversations they're used to being on their phone you know um, or on the internet or whatever and so when they're in real life it's it's sometimes very difficult for them to to want to be open um but it's so important and it's a it's a game changer honestly it can be a game changer yeah now that i'm even thinking of it are there some fetishes or some things that you wanted to do that you couldn't express because you were limited by those moments um i mean i don't have like super wild crazy like my my fantasies are, uh, uh, that I've gotten to participate in now really revolve around um, the whole. I'm very big into the whole senses, losing okay. all of five senses and the experience of it. Mm-hmm. So I am a big proponent of quality over quantity. Ooh. And um, you know, bluntly, fucking is the easy part. And we can all do that. And can you know nowadays there's apps for that that comes very easily if you want it. Right. Uh, that's not what I'm into. Like I'm into finding a partner who wants to to participate in the whole scene of it. Like I like wearing the whole outfit. I like stockings. I like garters. I like dressing up. I like looking beautiful. I like wearing stilettos. And so I like mood lighting. I like using food and foreplay. I like using the whole scenario. And when you're young, and especially me, I was raising a family. I was working 70 hours a week. I mean, homegirl didn't have time to fulfill those kind of fantasies. So um, that is something that I have been able to do and, you know, participate in that I absolutely love and adore. yeah, so that's one of the things I've gotten to do is really get into the ambiance and the scene of it and the anticipation. Who doesn't like a slow burn? Right. <laughs> Who doesn't like a slow burn of knowing, you know, maybe you have some sexy talk in the morning with your partner. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a whisper. Maybe it's a note. Maybe it's like tonight, you know, let's, you know, let's. And sometimes you have to schedule it. I know some people who have you know, children, family, whatever, work, sometimes you have to schedule it. And people would say, well, that's not sexy. Well, okay, would you rather schedule it and make that kind of part of the game and make that part of the sexiness or not have it? Like, right. the choice is your. So, Exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Some people say, oh, scheduling it, you got to be spontaneous. Yeah, but sometimes you got to have it. And you also know that the more times you have it in a week, you feel brighter, you feel better. If you start off mm-hmm. with it in the day, some people have are better in the day some at night so even with couples as well you have to be sure because yeah. because not everyone has that same like oh some people are busy in the morning some are busy at night some are late night so hours. Guess, guess how you find that out how, how do you think you find that out i mean you talk to them about it. <laughs> <laughs> you have that conversation yeah you, you know you find out if they're a morning person if they're an evening you find it out we also have love languages you know, there's five love languages. So find out what your partner's love language is. Is it acts of service? Is it words of affirmation? Physical touch? Um, I think gifts is one of them. I know I'm missing. There's five of them. I can't remember. Um, quality time. So find out what those love languages are and do that. Like for me, 
ironically, for physical touch, I mean, is a given for me. But one of my other love languages is acts of service. Mm. Because I'm so busy that if my partner were to come in and be like, hey, I, I'm going to go and detail your car for me. Like, it's going down that night because he has now taken something off my plate that I was thinking about and helped me. That is so sexy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're going to come in and help me? Like, I have been like a one-woman show for so long and you're, oh, mm. like, yes. Yeah. So find out what someone's love language is and add that into, incorporate that into your sex life as well. That's perfectly said because some guys just think I got to buy her some food. I got to buy her some drinks <laughs> and she'll be all right. I don't know why we guys have this perception without even talking, communicating. Um, I think honestly, so males have been taught for the millennia to hunt, gather, kill, procreate, right? It's in your DNA. You come by it very honestly. Um, so it's not surprising to me, but at the same time, we were not taught that they can be vulnerable and they can be honest. So they, I think sometimes might um, be caught in between appearing super masculine, therefore I'm going to just do what I think and not ask, and 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 then also pleasing their partner. So for me, once again, if someone were to, some guy, if I have a partner and he comes to me and he's like, and listen, there's a time and a place, like pick a time and a place that can be a sexy conversation. But if he were to come to me and, you know, maybe he's stroking my leg or touching my arm and he asked me, what do I like? You know, what am I into? Like, that's the, you know, hello. Like, that is where it's at is being open and honest and asking. So I think men, you'll be surprised to know that women, we typically, we will love that. If you pick the right time and the place and you are showing genuine interest, like you're not doing it just to get, you know, fuck us, but you're actually really genuinely want to know what pleases us we're gonna be all about it like Mm -hmm. that is a panty dropper right there facts